What gets me excited? You know, the design. I think, I think we're going back to mixing a lot of different materials, meaning different wood. It's not, it's not the hyper-modern anymore. It's not the aluminum, glass, and maybe walnut. Uh, we're going back to local woods. We're going back to uh, texture. We're doing uh, funny stuff with wood surfaces on our CNC machine carvings. Uh, we're doing stains. We're doing colors. Welcome to Friends of Build Magazine. I'm your host, Ted Bainbridge. I've been traveling the world and working in publications for 30 years. In 2016, we launched our first issue of Build Magazine, a publication dedicated to high-end home construction, renovation, and the innovative experts that make this possible. This podcast was created to have some fun and explore those who have taken on the challenge of building luxury homes in demanding locations. From navigating logistics and construction to excavating the earth, we want to learn more about these people and how their projects became cover-worthy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We're here with Urs. What's your last name, Urs? Lewenberger. Lewenberger. Urs Lewenberger from Roy Lambrook uh, Custom Woodworking and Kona Hardwoods, correct? That's correct. Do I have it right? You have it all beautiful, right. Beautiful. You guys really are awesome. And Thank you. Urs has been in the U.S. for what, 40 years? 40 years. Came here in 1982. Left Switzerland, still go back, but came here. What was your dream when you came here? Well, at the time I was living in Italy and... Um, we did uh, USA travel all across the West, all the national parks. Um, it was absolutely fabulous with my mom and dad and my brother. And uh, then we came to Hawaii and uh, visited that. And obviously, as a very young man then, uh, fell in love with a girl. And, oh, uh, it's a girl. Yes. It's always a girl, isn't it's it? It's always a girl, isn't it? It's very, very true. And... Uh, I proposed to her if she would move to Europe, and uh, she did. She, uh, we got married in Italy, and uh, but then a light got on, and I thought, well, now that I'm married to an American woman, uh, we can actually live in Hawaii. And so I did all the paperwork for immigration, got my permanent uh, green card at the time, it was called, and uh, uh, we immigrated to Hawaii, and uh, the rest is history. So your uh, wife's American? My wife's American. I'm American now. I did that about, uh, I want to say, 20 years ago. Okay. I did citizenship. Yep. And, uh, and uh, now this is absolutely home. Every time I go back, and I go often back to Switzerland to visit my dad and my brother and my sister, and uh, every time I come back to Kona Airport, um, it's home. Yeah, it's funny how that is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, after 40 years on the big island, I can call this home. I remember when I got my green card, and every time I would go through LAX traveling abroad somewhere, and you go through customs and they say, welcome home, even as a green card, not even as an American citizen, right. which I am now, but right. uh, it, still gives you, it still gives me tingles. Yeah, 
yeah, it's a it's a, it's a wonderful feeling. It's a, it's a, it's a great place. America is a great place. So you've been in Kona for forty years, mm-hmm. and your clientele is off the charts. I mean, you're super fortunate. We were talking about this yesterday. Yes. How has it evolved? Because what I see in Kona now is recession proof. Because the people that have come here, they've got money that nobody. I mean, they've got a few money. Right. Right. That um, you know, uh, in 1982, I think we had one red light in Kona, uh, uh, a traffic light that is, and uh, it was just a very laid back, uh, undiscovered um, place with with a ton of natural beauty, um, beautiful beaches out Kohala side, and and um, it started out in the Keoho area where uh, some of these more upscale uh, neighborhoods would would uh, been developed. And uh, with that, it had an effect that other developers went out into the lava and started creating these uh, beautiful resorts uh, because we have plenty of water on the big island. And uh, so with their water and... Um, in the lava and with bringing in dirt and around all these beautiful coastline, they started to create these um, um, super uh, exclusive neighborhoods and uh, obviously around the Four Seasons Resort, Kukio uh, 1, Kukio 2, uh, started a little bit before that around the Mauna Kea Hotel, uh, the Mauna Lani, Black Sands Beach, and all these places, and it just slowly, slowly grew, and uh, it it was just a very quality on is still is a very quality development at a normal pace, meaning that you know on the Big Island we don't have enough tradesmen, we don't have enough architects, we don't have enough furniture maker, we don't have enough plumbers. And so it grew at a relatively slow pace, but um, also at a very high quality pace. So we are not becoming a other Waikiki. We are not becoming another Kihei like in Maui, yep. that fast grow condominium type of development. And I think also our political leaders, to be true, um, um, had good foresight in it on how they wanted to develop um, this island uh, together with the people who all live here. Is it also helpful that the island is enormous? If nobody's been to the big island, I've been to five of them, this is a place that you actually can call home. It's not fast-paced. It's a normal existence. And it's beautiful. Yes, it is is the big island. It's uh, bigger than all the other islands together and and uh, you can actually go places you can go from Kona to Waimea to Hilo and you can spend the day going places without getting the feeling that you're caged on an island um, there is still areas where it's relatively affordable to live um, you still can buy a little piece of land and build yourself a little home on it um, although uh, last couple of years real estate has just been absolutely unreasonable and uh, and like I said in the 82s we haven't been 
uh, discovered yet. Now it's totally discovered. And uh, I can also see that in our company with people uh, moving to town all the time from all over the U.S. and and coming here and try to make it work. And for some people, you know, unless you make a really good wage, uh, it's very hard to make a living out here. So when I look at the resorts that you're talking about, the Kiwani, Ikis, the, the um, Walleye, there's so many of them. Right. And yet it looks like there's tons of room that is not developed, albeit it's all lava, so it's probably expensive from an infrastructure standpoint. What's the future? Are they going to put in more golf courses? Are they going to be, because all of those developments wrap around a golf course? Well, what's the future? Um, you know, I'm not an expert on the, f- on the future. I don't have the crystal ball, obviously. Well, I, no, I'm just but, wondering, are there more developments planned? Well, even the developments that are there now, and, and, and you you hit a good point with the infrastructure. You know, you got to get the water in. you got to get the roads in. you got to get the electricity in. you got to get um, the sewage treatment in. And, you know, it's all master planned, and, and there's a lot of things you have to do and so yes it makes it extremely uh, expensive to develop um, out in a lava field Um, what's the future all these existing uh, developments still have tons of room like Kohaneiki um, uh, Hualalai Uh, not everything is developed you see houses down there and you see a lot of houses down there but there is the way I understand it uh, hundreds of lots uh, still not prepared for building. And um, if you look out towards uh, Kiholo Bay, for example, there's a lot of land out there. Um, if you ever go on top of Hualalai uh, Mountain, or if you go on Mount Aloha, or you go on Mount Kea, and you look down on the whole island, mm-hmm. you see that there is so much land so much so much land it's incredible that really the, the very little is developed it does not mean that everything needs to be developed uh, but there's still definitely in at least my lifetime uh, there's going to be work more than I can handle well that's job security yeah that is job security <laughs> um, not that at, at this stage you're looking for job security but no right but it's it's still nice to know that you're wanted and needed. Yeah. Talk to me about the evolution of the client. Forty years ago, you said that you used to be doing a lot of small jobs, and yeah. now it's evolved yeah. rapidly. Yeah. It it um, like you said before, uh, there's a new clientele came in to town in these uh, development out of the Kahala Coast, and uh, before that, with Keohoe Estates, uh, the first millionaires. Uh, were in Kona, built their beautiful dream houses with pools, with you name it. And um, these people just wanted to have the nice things. They wanted to have the local woods. They wanted to have all their bathrooms being beautiful, all their kitchens being beautiful. Uh, They wanted to have nice ceilings, nice floors. And um, that is something that the local people before and just normal people, I want to say, uh, you know, 
either didn't want it, they wanted a simple Hawaiian life, and or didn't have the money to pay for it, what it costs to produce beautiful things. Um, you also never, on the island in the 80s, you never saw a Ferrari or a BMW on the road. And now you see almost exclusively BMWs on the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they've done a good job marketing themselves. Yeah, yeah. How did the how does a new client coming from the mainland how do they challenge you to create new you showed me some drawings or Kerry showed me some drawings yes. yesterday spectacular stuff yes um, these clients you know quite often we don't even know who they are um, we do these people come here they come here for their privacy obviously they're tech people computer people banking, whatever, high, high roller uh, uh, lawyers, uh, often we don't know who they are. And if we do, uh, we're not going to spread it around who they are. But what they bring is incredibly talented architects, designers, experts in their fields that know exactly what they want. So in other words, uh, just to give a little example here, we had clients, they brought in lighting specialists. Being on the rock for 40 years, I did not even know that exists, that people now for their houses hire professional people that know all about lighting. And uh, it's interesting, the point they're coming from. Uh, it's interesting, the demands they have. It makes our job um, challenging. It makes our job interesting. I'm very happy that we can be involved in a lot of these things yeah it's got to be fascinating to deal with these people and the things that they want for their homes absolutely absolutely i mean you know just to make a little sample uh we had out at the mount uh that was actually at hapuna at the prince where uh the cirque de soleil people have their corporate house okay and um you know you should see that theater they have in their own house. I mean, I mean, it's the most plush theater anywhere on the island, I want to say. And uh, to build that theater for uh, the sound quality, for how all the electronics needed to be fitted, where they needed to go, uh, as I mentioned before, the lighting, uh, it was just uh, an absolute... Um, fascinating project everything needed to be in british curly sycamore and uh just to find out what that is was a challenge and to get it was even more challenging but uh we got it all done and it was beautiful and everybody was happy and and uh you know thinking back on the work that i've done as a uh, as a as a woodworker furniture maker back in Switzerland, uh, it's just it's just a dream come true. What gets you excited about what's happening in your industry? Uh, it's what gets me excited. You know the design. I think I think we're going back to um, mixing a lot of different materials meaning different wood it's not it's not the hyper modern anymore it's not the aluminum glass and maybe walnut uh, we're going back to local woods we're going back to uh, texture we're doing 
uh, funny stuff with wood surfaces on our CNC machine carvings. Uh, we're doing stains. We're doing colors, and uh, so so it's 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 a whole. It's more more materials to every project than ever before. I see that you've got a table in your lobby that's got resin on it. Mm -hmm. Is that a common practice? I see it quite frequently now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Epoxy filled wood uh, where you fill cracks um, has a dual purpose really. Uh, Number one is you again you, you enter another material to the wood, uh, epoxy, uh, unlimited uh, possibilities of staining it, of coloring it, making it look like a ocean, a lake, uh, whatever you want to do. And the second purpose of it is you can actually use wood that's kind of flawed. Uh, so in when I grew up as an apprentice in Switzerland, uh, any flaw in any wood, you would cut out. You would cut out any nut, any split, any crack. And uh, this is something nowadays you want to see. And you can highlight and you can actually highlight the beauty of the wood in its entirety. So is there, is there ever a time where you have to sit there and think about, okay, what am I going to do with this piece of wood? How am I going to make this piece of wood magnificent for the client i'm just thinking to your point wood is flawed and there's beauty in the flaws right um i never really have to sit there i've done that now for you know since i'm 14 years old so almost 50 (laughs) years so uh it 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 hits the eye all the time um often often you gotta think about not to go too crazy with your with your uh, expression of what you want to do with it. So there, that's where it comes in, where you kind of know the client a little bit or the designer a little bit. Um, some people do like it really wild and 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 enjoy the spaltedness of of wood and the crack, and others want it to have a little bit more subtle. And uh, it, it's just more or less the understanding of what the client wants, what they're looking for, and uh, you can achieve that by either knowing them very good or engage them in the dialogue of of creating the piece. And a lot of clients come in here and uh, they get very involved in designing uh, their pieces of what they want. How difficult is it, or what's the difference in dealing with an owner's rep, interior designer, as opposed to the actual owner themselves? Um, That's a mixed bag as well, but personally I prefer to uh, deal with the designers, the owner's rep, uh, because they more often have a clear idea what the owner wants. Um, You don't have to go as far back uh, with them on what they want. Uh, They kind of... Uh, tell you the materials, they kind of tell you the shape, they come with uh, very detailed uh, uh, plans. Then you just, your job is then to figure out how to actually do it. Um, Not to say that there isn't owners that are very knowledgeable and know exactly what they want, and they are fun to deal with it as well. 
Do you ever have an instance where you're dealing with a designer and a, or an owner's rep and you put in cabinets and the, the actual owners come in and they go, these are awful. This is not uh, what we wanted. No, I, I never had that. You haven't? No, I have never had that. God, I would just think in dealing with somebody other than the owner, it might be a little bit nerve-wracking. Not that it would be your fault because the sure. designer signs sure. off on it and says, no, this sure. is what we're doing. No, but that's, uh, you know, if you've got a good design team and, and, and Kerry and all the other uh, people working for Roy Lambert Woodworking uh, are doing a great job of sorting this type of situation out before it happens. So, I mean, I did, you know, there were people walking in here and they wanted uh, a laminate kitchen and they walked out uh, ordering a coa kitchen and you know you you just have to sort that out kind of before you have to uh, you have to make sure that the old saying that's not what I had in mind uh, does not happen. Uh, you mentioned about laminate kitchens or or contemporary you didn't say contemporary, but I'm just thinking the new style of kitchens. They just seem a little cold to me, whereas wood makes a kitchen so much warmer and more of a conversation piece. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, uh, if that's what you want. But uh, I, I got news for you. Last year, we did a humongous job out at Hualalai, yeah. and we used that um, textured wood um, laminate that's from Italy, and uh, it's just absolutely perfect, and, and, and it's random. The, the print, you can't even tell it's, it's laminate, and it was all in white, and white tones and gray tones, and, and it got into that kitchen, and you, you walk into that house, and uh, by itself, it's a conversation piece just by being that uh, cold and that uh, modern and that fresh look, especially in a climate like Hawaii where it's very hot, you, you, it's, a, it's a different experience. And, uh, and that laminate, that type of laminate is coming back and that type of laminate is out there and people want that. That comes down to having a really brilliant designer. Uh, I would say so, yes. I mean, somebody who can pull off something fresh and new and have it, because we all, when we do things, we want people to walk in and go, that's spectacular. Who did that? Right, right, right. Yeah, that's very, that, that is very true. And uh, not only that, there's a little side story to that, to that laminate too. You know, do you remember that a couple of years ago, that boat was stuck in the, in the Suez Canal? Yeah, and, of course, uh, of and, course. Uh, what was it? It was this humongous boat and they couldn't free it up. And, and they yeah, couldn't. it got sideways and in the Suez Canal. It got sideways. Car. Well, that laminate was in that boat because it came from Italy. It was in that boat and uh, we did not receive it for six months uh, so that shop got delayed because of that. And uh, now the owner can even say, well, this laminate here was in that boat. So what a, a little great side story. <laughs> what a great story. Yep. Oh, that's an awesome yep. story. Yep. Uh, so speaking of being late, how yep. patient are people? Because it is Hawaii. There is Aloha Friday, which happens seven days a week. Mm -hmm. How patient are the clients? with their jobs because they don't happen the same way it happens on the mainland? Um, I do believe that our builders um, do a very good job of educating, educating um, clients 
on how long a project should take and that nothing is done in three months. Uh, very little is done in a year and that these humongous projects that require so many different aspects of the building industry um, take two to three years to complete. Uh, that there can be things, holdups, um, building permits. You know, as I said, we have a shortage of uh, anybody, and that probably includes building inspectors. And so there's always a delay here and there. Um, most of our jobs, we start out planning two years in advance. We start making plans and draftings and material selections and material ordering because obviously everything's got to come from the mainland. Yep. And uh, we're just a little part of uh, a house like this. You think plumbers, electricians, you, you think landscapers, you think all that. They all have to do the same thing. And I think the better a builder is of coordinating all that, um, the quicker relatively it gets done but i think these people building all their dream houses i think time and quickly build is not the number one uh, issue they want it done right they want it done good they want it done perfect and when it's turned over to them uh, they just have this masterpiece and you can't rush a masterpiece yeah, that's such a good point. And everybody wants to stick to a schedule. And you being Swiss, I mean, the Swiss are are fanatical about that. We invent the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. And I'm still, I'm still, you know, it's in my blood. It's, it's. Uh, I got a meeting. I got go to the airport. You know, I'm always on the minute. It's just I wouldn't want it any other way. I, 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 I want it planned. I want it on time because to me that's peace of mind. Yeah, and it's and it's exciting to see these projects come together. I was looking at while while you were uh, coming up, I was looking at a set of plans, and logistically, when you're dealing in a house that is fifteen twenty thousand square foot, do you get do you ever get lost? No. Um, again, we're doing this for a long, long, long time, yep. and uh, you know, the old saying: How do you eat an elephant? One cabinet at a time. One cabinet at a <laughs> time. That's exactly true. Um, you know, if you look at the whole thing in planning and you look at the specs that often are 50, 100, 200, 300 pages thick, it, it could be overwhelming. But with experience on the job, with experience in your profession, you know that you're just going to have to sort through it, go through it, and uh, do one at a time and uh, do it right so you don't have to go back. And, you know, there again, that's management of how you handle your job. And you've got incredible builders. Your reputation uh, is incredible. When I talk to the builders, whether it be Link from Merrill or GM Construction, Metzler, uh, your reputation is second to none. That's uh, that's a good thing. Yes, that that is very true. But I, you know, wanna wanna put that compliment back to all the people you mentioned right now too, because uh, quite honestly, they make it um, easy for us too uh, to get our job done by 
constantly helping out and by constantly answering questions, by being there. So I think here on the big island between uh, tradespeople, craftspeople, and, uh, and, and contractors and developers, uh, we're, we're over the years really became a, a very good team altogether. So uh, as we wrap up, what is one of the challenges or pitfalls of the business that somebody, if they were new into the industry of cabinet making, well, that you'd a, want them to avoid? Well, the biggest challenges we have, I see in two fields. Um, the number one field would be human resources. Um, not everybody's made for island life. Yeah. Not everybody uh, wants to break down all their contacts and tents over on the mainland and move over here and go into the unknown. And so we have a tremendous lack of skilled craftsmen. Um, that being said is that not once in a while we have some trickle in and then we hire them right off the plane. Uh, we're really, it's really important to us to have very good craftsmen on board. The number two thing is materials. You can imagine we have high demands for high quality, um, very expensive materials. And often it is very difficult to find these materials on the mainland, uh, not being able to see them. Yes, you can do photographs. Yes, you can do, but you know, a stack of lumber off uh, British sycamore or Swiss pear or, or really nice uh, African mahogany, uh, you can only judge the quality of that material if you actually physically see it. Um, Although over the years we developed uh, great relationships with vendors on the mainland that exactly know what we need and what we want. Uh, but once in a while you get a shipment that's just not up to par. And that adds on to when you're going to have a delay and because you can't just go forward and use uh, subpar uh, materials. So I want to say the two biggest challenges is Get your hands on the materials that you want and need. And the other one is human resources. Get people who can actually do all these difficult work. Yeah, and that's a challenge whether you're on the island or on the mainland. It doesn't matter. The human capital is a struggle for all businesses. It, it, it really is, and, and, and it's, it, it baffles my mind that that not more people would want to be plumbers, electricians, uh, woodworkers, because there is so much work out there. Uh, the trades do pay well nowadays. Um, uh, the, the, the health insurance is good. Um, you know, it's just it's 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 a field where young people could go into it and 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 have satisfying jobs. Um, which definitely beats um, having a college degree in something you can't use yeah. and then having to work night shifts as a waiter. Yes. You, mu you must be super satisfied when you look at the work that you've done over your career. You look back at those homes. 
yeah, yeah. There is uh, there's many times uh, I drive out there every Sunday. I take my grandkids to the beach, and we're driving by these places, and I tell them this house there, we did this house, we did house, and that. And one of my grandkids, the other, well, Grandpa, is there a house you didn't do? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, are many. there is, but uh, we can't do them all. It's just, uh, you know, I've... Uh, 40 years on a big island, never had a boring day, never had a day where I couldn't have anything where I wouldn't be able to get a job done. So, Well, it's been a, a treat getting to know you. Um, you're fascinating. I love your worldly views. Um, and we appreciate you spending the time to, uh, to talk to us today. Well, thank you so much. And uh, it's another little fun thing. Uh, we had to do a podcast here. It's uh, gets me away from the machines and uh, again adds to the experience of of uh, having fun here on the big island thank well, you ted Urs, er, er, uh thank you very much and uh, until next time i'm ted bainbridge and this is another episode of friends of build magazine from kona hawaii mahalo thanks so much for listening if you've enjoyed the show please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find everything discussed in this episode and more in our show notes below. I'm Ted Bainbridge, and you've been listening to Friends of Build Magazine podcast. <laughs>